Thanks, Chris. So for the record, I am over the top excited about Julie and uh, what she brings to our, our ministry here at Faith. So welcome. Also want to remind you this evening is our monthly prayer night. We have established that on the third Sunday of the month and Sunday afternoon, evening. It's at 6 p.m. in the north end of the building. And so we will meet for about an hour and uh, several of our elders will be there. And so it's an opportunity just to come and pray with others, pray for others. Uh, if you have a need, come. If you want the elders to pray for you, that's an opportunity to do that. But six o'clock and it will be for about an hour. <clears throat> Well, today we're going to wrap up our sermon series on the topic of work. And if you've not yet, if you've not been with us for this, we, we would describe work as the main thing you do every week, whether or not you get paid for it. And so students, you may be a student preparing for a career, you may be retired, and you no longer actually get a paycheck, but you still work, you still do a main thing every week, whether it's volunteering or caring for kids or grandkids or whatever it is you do. Most of you are somewhere in between. You're in, you have a career where you stay home with uh, raising children, different things. So that's your work. And we've talked about different aspects of work, how work fits into the drama of Scripture. God created us to work. It's not part of the curse. Uh, we talked about how we love the Lord Jesus Christ through our work. We love our neighbors through our work. If we pay attention, God refines us through our work and, and forms us into the image of Christ through the work that we do. And so today I want us to build on the things we've talked about, and I hope to cast a vision for engaging and affirming the work of other people. And this will involve things like noticing the work that other people do, having conversations with them about that work, asking questions, uh, making uh, uh, helpful observations about that work. It will involve praying for others' work. And engaging and affirming the work of others is important for at least uh, three reasons. And let me just lay those out before we launch into the, the heart of the message. Number one, it will be important for you. It will be valuable for you to engage and affirm the work of others. <clears throat> for example, as you learn about someone else's work, uh, you might be reminded that the grass is not necessarily greener uh, over there. You will find that every type of work has its stresses and strains. And if you find someone who is persevering in his or her work and exhibiting faith, that can be an example to you. And you can learn things from the way other people approach their work. A few weeks ago, I mentioned that our, our pastoral staff uh, is in the habit of doing workplace visits. And so we're booked about three months out now, but if you want us to come visit your workplace, uh, let us know. But it's a, an opportunity for us to come and see what you actually do in your work. Uh, when you come on Sundays and at other times, hopefully you see us in our area of competence, but we hardly ever see you in your area of competence where you shine. And so these workplace visits are an opportunity to do that. This past week, I went on a workplace visit involved. Uh, we had lunch, then I went to a lecture and part of a lab, and it was phenomenal. And so I saw someone who is passionate about his work and the way he, he lectures. He's interesting. He's obviously competent. He's humorous. At times, it's touching. He gives examples that are relevant to life. I mean, it was just the most, it was an amazing thing. And his students and his colleagues have this incredible uh, respect 
for him and for the work that he does. And I came away from that workplace visit inspired. And I'm like, that's how I want to do my work. And so it will be good for you if you engage and affirm the work of others. Second, it will be helpful and encouraging to others when you notice and affirm their work. At one time or another, all of us ask this question, does it even matter? The work I do, does it matter? If I just disappeared, would anybody even notice? And, and it is, it's uh, really rare for another person to slow down and notice and actually be interested in the work that we do. And if you do that, if you engage, you affirm somebody else's work, you could have a profound impact in his or her life. Uh, you really could. And so it's important for you. It's important for others. And third, if this, this habit of engaging and affirming the work of others becomes commonplace among us, it actually has the potential of shaping the culture of this church in some amazing and positive ways. If we embody the things we're going to talk about and the scriptures we're going to talk about, we will increasingly become a more humble, compassionate, and courage-giving people. And that is no small thing. We'll see that as we go along. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at some core scriptures that give relational commands. They're very simple scriptures. This is how you should behave in relationships. And then we're going to apply that to work, how we can practice these commands in relation to other people's work. And so I'm going to urge you to widen your view of work beyond me and mine. Hopefully all of us are looking at me and mine. I'm going to, I'm going to urge us all to lift up our eyes and widen our view and pay attention, engage, and affirm the work of those around us. Here's the big idea. Numerous scriptures urge us to be interested in and thoughtful about the details of others' lives. And these scriptures, the ones we're going to look at, can prompt us to notice and affirm the work of others. For example, in Philippians 2, Paul says, look out for the interests of others. Actually pay attention to, actually care about the core things that others uh, are, are con uh, others' concerns. And his basic definition of humility involves taking our eyes off of ourselves and uh, considering the needs of others. He writes this in Philippians 2. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely, you should do this, but don't merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And so Paul tells us what humility a humble person doesn't do and what a humble person does do. This person doesn't merely look out for his or her own personal interests. You're not only concerned about yourself, but rather if you're humble, you look out for, you're concerned about the interests of others, the things that really matter in other people's lives. And in the context of this sermon series, a humble person uh, doesn't merely say, all I care about is my work. That's all I care about. All I care about is that I do my work as a, as a reflection of our relationship with Jesus. I serve other people with my work. I'm formed by my work. Now, a humble person doesn't merely do that. A humble person 
also considers others as important. They say, my friends, my family, are they're, they're important. And so I also care about their work. And so I look out for their interest. I care whether or not they love God and love their neighbors through their work. I care whether or not they are being formed into the image of Christ through their work. And so this is, this is an expression of humility. And you can't express this to everybody, but you can with at least a few people. And I, I, I've told you before, if you've been here, I've told you about a uh, I told you about a conversation Brenda and I had with a pastor when we were thinking about changing our work. We were working at a camp and we were thinking about pursuing a pastorate. And so we, this is in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, we, we talked to this pastor and we were asking the question, what does it take to be a good pastor? And we sat in his office across the desk from him and he says, if you want to be a good pastor, you need people to think that you care about them. You need people to think that you care about them. And I was young and dumb, but I left that, that office going, God, may I never become that pastor. Here in Philippians 2, Paul isn't saying, uh, make people think that you care about their interests. Make people think that you think they're important. No, he says, you should have this humility of mind that's in Christ, where you actually regard people as more important than yourself. You actually look out for their own personal interests. And so a very core, simple way we can do that is by caring about their work, the the main thing they do every week. A simple expression of humility is to notice the work of others, actually be interested in their work, and affirm their work, bless their work, pray for their work. And I would encourage you by beginning, and this is, this is sometimes the hardest, but beginning with those that are closest to you. Begin to notice the work of the people you live with, your closest friends, even your, your coworkers. So this could be a spouse, a roommate, your closest friends, and then branch out from there. Uh, as you know, sometimes we take, it gra- take for granted the people that are the closest to us especially when it comes to work. It's like, oh yeah, I know what he does. He leaves every day, comes but same thing day after day after day. And sometimes we, we take it for, for granted. I dare say that some of you here today feel invisible, unnoticed, unappreciated in the work that you do. I mean, the best hours of your week and you feel like nobody cares. A gift that you could give the people closest to you is to actually care, actually be interested, ask questions about these these main hours of his or her week, and and, uh, be interested, offer insightful observations, and pray for them. And if you, need, if you need help, we've got in your, your sermon outline, we've got a list of questions. And these are the kind of questions that, that I tend to ask when I'm talking with people. And uh, if you need to, put the bulletin on the dinner table and talk about these questions. Just go down the list. And, and uh, chances are you will encourage people to ask, to, uh, to think about issues that they've never thought about before. And so that could be a great that could be a great gift. And I think what you'll find is that this type of humility, actually caring about 
other people. It actually draws people together. Humility is very inviting. Uh, it creates unity, whether it's a marriage or a friendship. That, that relationship will likely deepen. Another scripture, Matthew 7, 12, treat others the way you want to be treated. This is toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus gives this very simple yet profound uh, principle how you should, should treat other people. It's often called the golden rule. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 12, in everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. You ever wonder with the Hebrew scriptures how it advocates we should treat other people? This is it. This is a summary. And as Jesus often did, he inverted the way we normally think. He inverted the way we normally treat other people. We tend to ask the question, well, how is that person treating me? That's the way I'm going to treat them. Or how does that person deserve to be treated? That's how I'm going to treat them. Jesus says no. Now, that's, that is, that's way below the line if you're going to be my follower. He said, you actually asked the question, how do I want to be, be treated? That's the way I'm going to treat other people. And so for the purpose of, of, uh, of today's message, uh, ask the question, how do I want others to treat me in relation to my work? When I serve people, when I'm busted, day after day in my work, how do I want people to treat me? Well, most of us would say, well, I want to be, I want to be noticed. I want to be appreciated. I want people to value what I'm giving my life to. I want them to, to think that it's worth something. And so that being the case, we should notice and affirm and value the work of others. So again, I would encourage you, begin with the people that are closest to you, those you live with, your coworkers, your your friends, begin engaging and affirming the work that that uh, the way you would want them to engage and affirm your work. And so you start there. But but something I find it a blast actually is to branch out and notice the people in our community that service week in and week out. Just pay attention to to how people serve you through their work. This past week, I had a, uh, my regular eye appointment. And uh, when I got in there, my, uh, my eye doctor told me he's moving. How dare he do this, you know? And he's moving to another state. And uh, he has taken care of me for 15 years. And I have uh, kind of some unique things with my eyes. But uh, every time I go in, I mean, he remembers me. He's, he, 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 well, he remembers me personally, but also he knows what's going on with my eyes. And, uh, and when he told me that, that he's moving, I just, uh, you know, took the opportunity to express to him how much I appreciate the care that he's given me all these years. And with my issues, he's given me this great peace of mind. And the way he's taken care of me, he's actually increased my quality of life, you know. And so I was able to express those things to, to him. And uh, it was good for me to express them. And I think it was good for him to hear those things. And so I was genuinely thankful, and so I expressed it. And so here's the thing. You don't have to just make things up, okay? I'm not saying make up nice things to say. I'm saying actually be thankful. Actually notice the way people serve you. 
in stores, in, in, uh, in different businesses you enter, just in your normal life, random people on the phone, notice the way people serve you in your life and express your appreciation. And so that's one way to treat other people the way we would like to be treated. A third scripture, uh, finally, spur one another on to love and good deeds. This is Hebrews 10. Uh, This is the passage uh, Logan read earlier. But we have this cluster of commands that are very familiar to many of us. But but I I wonder uh, how often we actually live them out. And he first gives a command, the author of Hebrews, to cling to the truth of the gospel. Hebrews 10.23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. That's basically the gospel without wavering for he who promised is faithful. The faithfulness of God is at the core of our confidence. If we have no confidence that God is going to be faithful to do what he's promised, what does that mean about our future? Well, it means that it's at the, it's a, our future is at the, in the hands of luck or chance or circumstances or fate or whatever. But if God is faithful to do what he's promised, if the gospel is actually true, if we can bank on it, then we have this confidence. We shouldn't abandon that hope of the gospel. We should cling to it because God is faithful to do what he's promised. And then he adds in verses 24 and 25, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You notice the command in verse 24, let us consider, spend time pondering, thinking, anticipating how we might spur one another on to love and good deeds. And so the idea is, the premise there is that I have a responsibility to, to influence other people's behavior by the things I say and the things I do. I'm actually supposed to motivate and, and spur other people to love better and to do, to do good works. And so uh, imagine, uh, imagine what it would be like if all of us, I mean, broadly speaking, even 80% of us owned this, okay? This wasn't just a good, cool Bible verse, but we actually owned it. If we would say from the heart, God expects me to do and say things that will help others have greater motivation and resolve to show love and to engage in good works. And what God expects, God also empowers. And so God will empower me to influence others to do the will of God. And so instead of just being ourselves or being passive, uh, we have this attitude that this is something God has called me to do. And we can't do it with everybody again, but you can do it with a few. And notice as well the warning against forsaking our own assembling together. And so when a person quits meeting with believers, whether it's in times of worship, whether it's a Bible study, or a person simply withdraws from spiritual friendships, that person is in a dangerous place. That person is no longer uh, able to be the recipient of Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. This person is not going to be spurred on. This person is not going to be encouraged. And so in light of our time in history, in light of the fact that the day of the Lord is drawing near, 
We don't know when it is, but it's closer today than it was yesterday. It's drawing near. In light of the fact that we're living in the last chapter before the consummation of all things, we should encourage one another. We should give each other courage to do the will of God and all the more. And so if the heart of encouragement is coming alongside others to help them walk with God. Think about how we might provide this type of encouragement. Think about how we might come alongside one another and spur one another on to love and good deeds in relation to our work. How we might do that as a way of life. You know, one of the emphases of this series is that through our work, we love God and we love other people. Sometimes it's hard for us to see how that happens, uh, but other people can spot it. I mean, this is true of a, a pastor as it is of anybody. Uh, I know people in, in all different professions, and they say, I don't really see this, but others can see I can see it. And so how about we take the, the initiative to come alongside others and engage them in their, in their work and help them think through how their work actually is an opportunity to love God. It's an opportunity to love other people. If, if we let him, God will refine us, conform us to the image of Christ. And so if you have a mind to do so, consider how you might help people think biblically about their work. One of the initiatives we're going to be rolling out this, this fall, uh, we'd love to see God raise up, is a group of, uh, a whole cluster of affinity groups for various types of work. And so uh, the idea would be you would gather periodically with other people that do the same kind of work that you do, and you would talk about these things. And so the format could look different for different groups. And so it might be uh, you might meet once a month, you might meet every other month, you could meet over lunch or, or in the afternoon. Uh, but uh, you would talk about issues you face in your work. You would talk about how to love God and love others through your specific type of work. You could pray for each other in ways that only people in that career would pray. There's a type of discernment, a type of insight, an understanding what types of things need to be prayed for. So it could be affinity group for teachers, could be one for stay-at-home moms, uh, for medical professions, building trades, uh, small business owners, for people in financial fields. Uh, could be people who uh, are retired. We have, we have this fantastic group of people who are retired. So again, they don't get a paycheck, but they work and they do all these amazing things. One of the things we love to do here at Faith, we would love to cultivate is finishing well, going strong, whatever God's called us to do. We have people that are excelling at that. And so an affinity group might be an, an amazing thing. Talk about it so you're not alone figuring this all out all by yourself. Personally, I've benefited greatly from affinity groups with other pastors. And so here at Faith, we have, we have five full-time pastors. That in effect is a, an affinity group and we meet together and we pray. There are other pastors in town that I meet with regularly. And uh, we have deep fellowship and, and uh, strong friendships. Next Sunday, I'm gonna drive out to, to Boulder for this annual meeting I go to. It's called Team 500. And uh, it's probably one of my favorite two days of my year. And so we go out to uh, different places, but we're meeting in Boulder this year. And it's, it's uh, E-free pastors from all over the country who, who uh, pastor churches about this size. 
And what we do is we, we come with no agenda. And so we get in a room, it's usually about 40 of us, and there are these big sticky notes on the wall, and we take 30 minutes, and we go down and write our questions, what we want to talk about. Okay, these are the issues I'm facing. Does anybody know about this? Uh, this is my greatest failure this year. I want to write it out. Here's some successes. We can do this thing called Den of Thieves, steal my best ideas. Uh, we have one that says dumb tax. This is a dumb tax I paid last year. <laughs> I never want to pay this tax again. And, uh, and, uh, and so we, we put it all out there, and then you have three votes. Whatever gets the most votes, that's what we talk about for two solid days. Uh, it sounds riveting, right? Well, it, it's just one of my most encouraging things I do all year. And uh, typically there's one or two pastors that show up that are basically ready to quit. And so we come alongside them, we uh, listen, we pray for them, we encourage them all the more because the day is drawing near. And so this time, these infinity groups for me are very nourishing, sometimes healing. Why can't you have one of those groups? You don't have to be a pastor to have that type of encouragement, that type of spurring on to love and good deeds. And so this is what we'd love to see God raise up here at Faith. If you have an idea for, for one of these groups, a cluster that, that uh, would be helpful to you, you don't have to wait till the fall. Uh, you can start it. There, there's, there's a couple of these that are already kind of in the works, but we will resource you. We will encourage you in this. Uh, this is not something we want to control. We want to see it just, just happen. And it doesn't have to be just people from this church. Uh, you might know believers from all different, different churches where it would be helpful. That this type of encouragement and spurring one another on to love and good deeds, it should be commonplace, not the exception. And so this concludes this sermon series on work. And as always, this is not the last word. This is the first word in an ongoing conversation. Uh, and if this is really going to become part of the culture of the church, it will require us to remain engaged, remain uh, hungry and, and teachable in this area. And so I would encourage you to, to invest time and energy in this. Uh, I'll mention at the bottom of the, your, your outline, we've got some resources. We have three books, three phenomenal books, uh, Every Good Endeavor, Work Matters, and Kingdom Calling. We also have an organization that several of us here at Faith have participated in. It's based in Kansas City. It's called Made to Flourish. And if you go to their website, you'll find all sorts of resources, articles, uh, various things that uh, you'll find very very profitable, whatever your work. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this study. We thank you for what your word challenges us to do. We thank you that you care about every minute of our life, and uh, that includes our work. And we pray, God, that we would be helpful to one another in this. Uh, pray for our ability and our will to engage and affirm the work of others. We pray, God, that you would allow us to start uh, this week uh, with those closest to us and to branch out. We pray that this would be a, a real strength uh, for us individually and as a church. We, we pray that we might really build each other up in amazing ways. And God, we want our lives to count. <clears throat> we want our work to honor you. We want it to be a blessing to our neighbors. God, we want to be refined by our work. 
We want our work to extend your kingdom. And so, God, we pray these things with anticipation. We pray them in faith. In Jesus' name, amen.